Worldwide parent coach and conscious educator, Sue DeCaro, is on a mission to revitalize the joy in parenting. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a podcast designed to help parents all over the world create deeper connections with themselves and their children while overcoming life's daily parenting challenges. Listen in if you want to bring more laughter, love, and enjoyment to your home life. Welcome to Conscious Parents Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Sue DeCaro. Today, we will be touching on a topic that many find super challenging. And to bring attention to this, I am thrilled to introduce my special guest and new friend, Dr. Elizabeth Cohen. Dr. Cohen is the CEO and the founder of the online divorce course and membership Afterglow, the light at the other side of divorce. This 14-week course teaches women how to heal, grow, and thrive after divorce, no matter how difficult the process has been. Dr. Cohen offers a monthly membership program to provide one-to-one coaching, expert support from divorce professionals, and an engaged community of like-minded people. She received her PhD in clinical psychology from Boston University. She was the recipient of the prestigious American Psychological Foundation Research Award for her research on the emotional effects of 9-11. She's been featured on the Tamron Hall Show, The Wall Street Journal, NBC News, Women's Health, HuffPost, Thrive Global, Daily Beast, and Good Housekeeping. Dr. Cohen is a weekly contributor to Psychology Today with her divorce course columns. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for joining me and for all that you are doing to help people navigate this difficult scenario. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here, Sue. Well, let's dive in and talk about divorce. It's such a challenging time for parents. Can you talk a little bit about how to bring more consciousness and consciousness for our children when it comes to our own divorces? Because they certainly didn't ask to have this divorce as part of their life. Absolutely. Um, So I think it's really important to always think about the different roles in a family when we're thinking about divorce. So even though we're letting go of a relationship with our partner, we are in no way letting go of the relationship with our children. In fact, it's probably a time when that relationship needs even more attention. Because we know that children undergoing any sort of stress are going to need their attachment figures even more. Mm -hmm. And very often, understandably, parents are overwhelmed with legal issues, housing situations, potentially suddenly being thrown into a new work requirement. And that overwhelm, as we all know as parents, can pull us away from connection. And so it's really important to take care of yourself as a parent so that you can continue to show up as you are for your kids and potentially dial it up just a a smidge more. Mm, I love that. I remember years and years ago when I got divorced, seems like a lifetime ago, somebody saying to me, it's all about the kids now. It's it's funny, though, that was her exact phrase, Sue, it's all about the kids now. What are you talking about? But you know, being being newly you know introduced to divorce, let's call it, I didn't really have a clue. But it is all about the kids. So talk a little bit, if you don't mind. Um, The roles change, the partners you know split, but it is all about the children. Even when it comes to the partnership and the the dissolution of the partnership, you still have to connect 
for the children in some way, shape, and form. So how can we keep that more of a positive, you know, less um, painful scenario for our kids? Because again, it's all about the kids. Yeah. So I like to think about this um, as considering ourselves as parents as models. You know, I do believe that kids come into our lives um, from the moment what someone said, like from the moment we have them, we're learning how to teach them to leave us. And so we are teachers. We are constantly teachers. So if we think about going through a divorce as modeling how to handle when we have a rupture or a shift in a relationship. So just imagine that you are teaching your kids how to handle their first breakup, when they leave a business partner, when they have an argument with a friend that they don't agree with. So really thinking about what are you trying to teach your child about keeping your your side of the street clean, being honest and clear, and being fair, and knowing that those little eyes are watching you all the time. And of course, in divorce, it's even more intense because what you're saying is about another person that they love. And it's really important. One of the most important things, if anyone, if you take anything from this, is please do not speak negatively about your ex-partner to your children. Call me, call Sue, call your friends, you know, call your mom and say whatever you want. But your kids are not your friends. Your kids are your responsibility and they are also your ex-partner's kids. And setting your kids up to feel unsafe with one of their parents is a recipe for disaster. I have a lot of women in my program who say, but you don't understand, you know, my partner can't provide for them emotionally and I want to prepare them so they know it's not their fault, you know, if, if they don't, sh- if the partner doesn't show up for them. And I say, I promise you, they will know on their own. Give them the dignity to figure it out. But telling them is not going to matter because they are constantly going to be protecting understandably, biologically, they need to feel positively about a parent. So they're not going to hear it. They're only going to be able to experience it. Well, and it also affects the loyalty. I think, you know, it, it can tear them apart. I remember, you know, truth be told, um, saying very minor little tidbits of things that, you know, it wasn't like I was trying to bash him, but something would slip out and one of my kids would call me on it. Yes. And say, that's not very nice to say about daddy. And I'd be like, oh gosh, I didn't, you know. Yes, <laughs> I know. I They're amazing at that, right? I had this experience. My son was about five and um, he said, are you and my dad friends? And I said, yeah, we're friends. And he said, no, you're not. He said, when you go, he said, you're friends. You go out for coffee with them. You invite them over. You hang out with them. You don't do that with dad. And I thought, oof, he's right. We don't do that. And he's not really my friend. I mean, he's their co we're co-parents. And so they they pick up on every, as you're saying, every subtle, subtle shift. So you need to just be able to say, Oh, you're right. Right. You got me. Yeah, exactly. And then learn from that so that you're not spewing other things down the road. But the other thing is, you know, that loyalty and as you said, them learning about what you know, what your previous partner puts out there 
is the same as when your partner, you know, and living in the same house, when you're parenting together or even separately in the same house, the children will see who can I get what from, who, you know, who gives in, who crashes, who, you know, really holds the boundaries firm and tight. And so they're learning within the confines of the house, just as they're learning externally with two different homes. Wouldn't you say? Abs- I absolutely. And I love that you pointed that out, Sue, because one of the um, important refrains I say to the women in my program is a lot of this would be happening even if you were still living together because there's this pressure when you get divorced that you're just going to totally screw up your kids and every problem they're having is about the divorce. Even though the kids will say like, mom, it's not about the divorce. It's not always about the divorce. Some of this this loyalty, these loyalty issues that are coming up would be happening anyway. And I just noticed that the women in my program could kind of take a deep breath and feel a lot less uh, blame. Mm-hmm. Say that. Well, and guilt does creep in. You know, we, we do think, oh, I feel so guilty. Now my kids are from a quote unquote broken home. I can remember one of my kids not wanting to tell anyone. She thought this was like the biggest secret on earth. And I remember she went to a party. She was a young teenager, probably just 13. She went to a party and, the, you know, about 10 of her, you know, 15 friends were from, you know, what she considered a broken home. But, you know, obviously parents have divorced. It's not broken. It's just right. different. Yeah. And the language we use has a big, uh, a big effect, right? Yes. So the guilt that parents sometimes feel about yeah. the divorce, you know, if you could speak a little bit about that, because I know I've heard from, you know, parents I work with that say, you know, well, I, I stayed together till, you know, X until they achieved this or achieved that. But mm-hmm. are we really serving them staying together in a relationship that doesn't show them love, compassion, affection, kindness, you know, what have you, mm-hmm. as this is what relationships look like as their models or doing what's best for the relationship? Great question. I often like to ask women in my program, let's play a little game. Let's imagine your 15-year-old daughter came over to you and said, there's this boy, let's say she's um, heterosexual, who I've been spending time with and that I'm dating. I don't really feel that great when I'm around him. I don't really want to spend time with him that much. I'm not sure we get along or we have things in common, but high school's over in two years, so I think I'm going to stick it out. What a great right? question. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> What God. would you say to her, right? You say, oh my God, love, no, you deserve so much better and you need to follow your heart. And there's and why can't we say that to ourselves? And I just want to say that if you stay, that is what you are teaching your girl. Right. Or boy. Yeah. That is, they are learning from you. And there, someone just said this to me recently. There's nothing lonelier, and I know this from being divorced. Than being in an unhappy relationship and staying. Yeah, it's lonely when you leave, but it's a different kind of lonely. Actually, it's alone. I always say it's alone when you leave, but lonely when you're in a relationship because you expect to receive something from somebody else. Exactly. Well said. That's right. But I think timing is your timing. Uh, you know, as you pointed out, this beautiful um, story you told, timing is about you. What serves you not serves your children necessarily not when they're a certain age and able to understand because the effects that we have on you know showing up in a negative you know maybe chaotic maybe tumultuous environment for children is far worse in a lot of respects don't you see do you see that oh yeah research has 
Yeah. And research has always shown that, that kids do much worse emotionally if they stay in a home where there's high conflict than if the relationship ends. Being around high high conflict with the people who are supposed to keep you safe and seeing them on edge and potentially not able to keep you safe is there's nothing more terrifying to a kid's nervous system. And it really does impact their sense of safety. And so um, predictability, you know, we all need predictability. I'm sure you talk about this all the time. And, and anyone who's been in a really like highly conflictual or ongoing unhappy relationship, you really, it's very difficult to be there for your kids fully and to give yes. them a sense of safety. It really is. I remember waking up some mornings and kind of, I say in like a, in a haze and kind of a zombie haze of dissociation, putting my kids in the stroller, taking them to the playground and just having this out of body experience because I was so caught up in what had happened the night before with my, with my partner and I really wasn't present to them. So talk a little bit about how to come to our children in conversation about divorce, because I, you know, I, I remember prepping myself, you know, what yeah. to say. And I remember even saying to my partner at that time, this is exactly what will happen. Yeah. I, mean, I, I called it spot on, but I knew both my kids so well that I knew yeah. exactly what they would do and how they would do it. And of course, you know, they that's did. what happened. Right. Um, so it helped right. him to be a little prepared for what, what would Great. You know, ensue. But, but talk yeah. about how to have conversations, not just the first time, but how do we yeah. continue to check in with our kids consciously communicate with them and make sure that they're okay as we're all navigating, you know, what could be called the new normal. Yeah. Such a good question. So I, I always, I love the first part that you brought up about your two kids and how they were going to respond differently. I, or you didn't say differently, but I thought of that. Um, I, I think it's really important to understand your child's way of interacting in the world. Some people in relationships call it love languages. I think it's really important to know how your child processes information and experiences relationship with you and your partner, because it's really important to know that everyone is different. So any reaction is perfect and beautiful and exactly what they need to do. So just to kind of tell parents that. Um, I always say it is more than one conversation. It is a multitude of conversations. As I'm sure your listeners, you know, have talked to their kids about other hard things. It's never just that one time. It's when, you know, you sit them down and you tell them what's happening. And then, you know, two days later in the bath, they say, do you hate daddy or something like that? (laughs) Right. Right. Right? So you really have to prepare your nervous system. You can have your beautiful script. And I, I coach people on saying, you know, we love you this, you know, our love for you will never change. Daddy and I have decided that our relationship isn't working anymore. So we're going to live separately. Something very clear, short, and a lot open for a lot of questions. Usually they don't have that many questions in that moment, but again, the bathtub moment, right? Do you hate daddy? And I always suggest saying, can you tell me more about that? What do you mean by that? I mean, this is the therapist in me, but not jumping to the answer. Like we were talking earlier, like, no, no, of course I don't hate daddy. You know, well, really? Because I heard you screaming, I hate you the other day. You know, <laughs> right. right? So really understanding what's beneath it. If we think about the kids' emotions or all of our emotions like an iceberg, that we're only seeing the top. So what's, you know, a kid might be asking you, do you hate daddy? And what they're really asking is, will I ever be able to tell you that I love daddy anymore or something? You know, we don't know the meaning behind it. So we want to give a whole lot of space for the questions. 
And interestingly, I don't think kids really care so much about the answer. Like think about the last time you came home. Well, when we used to go out, go to work, last time you walked into your living room, I don't know, um, and said to the person that you trust, um, oh, I had a really frustrating day, right? And they say to you, oh, really? What happened? Who did you talk to? Did you do this? Did you, you know, it's so annoying. All you want is to really be validated. So it's the same thing with the kids, which I'm sure you talk about a lot. You don't, they don't want the answer right there. They just want to be heard. They just want to be acknowledged. And if it's something you need to answer, it'll come up again. I love that. And I love the iceberg analogy. I, I teach that all the time. There's always something beneath the surface. But the other piece of this too is the space. Because for parents, when a child says, do you hate daddy? You know, I mean, I know if one of my kids had said that, luckily they didn't. My heart would have started pounding. Oh my gosh, why are they asking me this? I mean, you, you go into that fight or flight response. Uh-oh, you know, because you thought you had the conversation two days ago where everybody got it and it's over, right? We're all happily divorced now. We can move on with our lives. Right. But, you know, scarily enough, it's not ever over. And they're always going to be curious beings asking those important questions that help us to learn and grow too. So I love the, you know, re reflect back or ask, you know, something, what do you mean by that? So that you give yourself also an opportunity to digest, yikes, look where I am, you know, right. and, and how I and, can handle it. Yeah. And don't forget, you can always say, oh, mommy needs a minute to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Right? Right. It's a really good modeling. And as far as talking, I want to tell a little story too that I, that is important because, um, you know, there is so much that kids want to understand about the divorce, and that is for sure. And as parents, and I'm sure the parents who are listening here, you're present, you're processing, you're curious, right? I want to just recommend just to watch out for a little hitch that I know I got in, I get into. I got into in my experience, and I, I usually talk about this as like the one question that you need to ask yourself to have, be a successful, conscious, divorcing parent. And I'll, I'll explain it through a story. So my ex-husband, when my son was about seven, got remarried and his wife was pregnant. So I had a seven-year-old and a five-year-old and their stepdad, who they don't live with but see occasionally, um, was preparing to have another kid who was going to live with them. And so I would ask them quite often, you know, how are you feeling about baby coming, you know? baby's coming soon, any feelings about it? You know, you can imagine having a therapist as a mom. And one day, my seven-year-old turned to me and he said, mom, I'm fine with it. Are you okay with it? <laughs> right? They're so wise. And I stopped for a minute in the way you suggested, Sue. And I thought, oh God, no, I am not okay with it. It's me who's not okay with it. It's me who is actually having a hard time with it because when my kids were that age, when they were little, he was unavailable. And so I felt so hurt and envious that he was able to do this with now with somebody else. My kids never had that experience. That wasn't what they were feeling. But if you would ask me, I would have said that's what they were feeling. It was actually me who was feeling that. Right. right. And thankfully, this wise boy helped turn the mirror on myself. But I will always remember that story and recommend to people, ask yourself, are you expecting that your kid is feeling what you're feeling? 
Because if it is, then we've got so much you can do to take care of yourself. But please don't put that on them. Well, one comment like that, you know, our kids are our greatest awakeners. Like you said, the mirror is turned, can help us to really check in when we have checked out, so to yeah. speak. Well said. Yeah, I, I love that. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because um, talking about the questions coming up or the comments coming up throughout the years, uh, I think my youngest was nine. I have two girls that are now 26 and 23. Um, but my youngest was nine when I divorced. And when she was, I want to say, 14 or 15, I still have the visual image of her standing at the door with her bags, set, screaming. Luckily, they're not going to tune into this broadcast. But <laughs> that, you know, it, they would be okay with it. But you don't know what it's like to have two homes and, you know, and have to go back and forth. And they considered me their home base. And so all their stuff was transported. You know, it wasn't, I'm okay having duplicate stuff. I need all my belongings to feel a sense of home, you know, and sense of moving forward. So, you know, how, how do you, how do you help parents through that? You know, I tried to be as conscious as I could be, and I guess we survived quite nicely because we're, we all seem to be moving forward. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Well, we're recording this um, during the COVID-19 pandemic, right? And so we know that life is challenging. And I often think about kids who've gone through divorce as building a muscle that kids who haven't gone through divorce have to build later. And actually in my private practice in New York City, I see a lot of people who have generalized anxiety disorder, perfectionism, over overwhelming anxiety about something bad happening and will say to me, I don't even know why I feel this way because nothing bad has ever happened to me. And I say, well, that's why you feel that way because you don't believe in your capacity to handle something hard. And your girl who was, first of all, able to say to her mom, this is hard, is huge, especially for a girl, right? So she had to learn that. And she learned that you have to do some things that stink sometimes and also bring benefit. Like what they've learned about resiliency is incredibly powerful. And relationships, as you said early, you know, earlier, that, that you don't just stick it out until, you know, you graduate high school. Right. So to speak. Yeah, that's exactly. beautiful. I mean, what, what a great way to learn and grow because life is not full of, you know, roses and, and white picket fences. So, but I think also at the same time, for me, it was a step back to say, and it was before I was doing this work, but to say, I don't know what it's like. You're yeah. absolutely right. You know, I don't come from a divorce family. I don't know what it's like to carry my, mm-hmm. I mean, I can imagine. And so giving a child the opportunity to say, tell me what it is like, tell me what this yes. feels like for you and how hard it is. Let's sit together and, you know, allowing them to process those tears of really heavy emotions. Yes. And so important adolescence when the main developmental milestone is separation. And so being able to say, no, mom, my, my experience of this is different. And I need you to be able to honor that and help me experience that. It seems so important. For sure. And it comes back to what you said about being valued, being heard, being seen, whatever it is they're sharing, you know, whether it seems far-fetched or seems, you know, normalized or doesn't matter, right? doesn't matter. It's theirs. It's their perception. Right. And I want to be really clear that sometimes the, I don't know if this happened with your girls, but siblings can have different experiences. So one can be 
hesitant and resistant to go, let's say, to the other house, and the other one can be completely fine. And I always talk about with my clients, keep in mind that, you know, everyone's a system, right? When you put two people together, it's a system. So the sisters and the siblings going to to another person's house, that's a system. And how is that system working? And is everyone getting what they need out of that? This might be a bigger conversation, but just, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes, um, just like in, in romantic relationships, one person holds one role and so they can't hold the other. So I really like to encourage people to let the sibs feel both feelings instead of getting stuck and being the one who's okay and the one who's not okay or, you know, fill in the blank. Right. right. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Shed some light too on, because what's coming up is you're talking about the family system, you mm-hmm. know, and the systems now being two systems is how people create the boundaries in those systems. Okay. So I, you know, I have a lot of clients that come to me and say, you know, how do I co-parent and, you know, they're not doing X, Y, and Z. And, you know, I believe how important that is. A lot of times it's around technology uh, and the usage of that. So share a few tips, if you wouldn't mind for our listeners of, you know, how to navigate their lane, right. And, and not get caught up in the rules and regulations in the other system. Absolutely. I think it's really important. Someone recently said that um, policies are a way of holding boundaries. So having really clear ideas of how you're going to communicate with your ex and in your own mind, how many times. So mm-hmm. if you are upset about how much technology they're getting at their at your you know ex's place, are you going to bring it up once? Are you going to bring it up twice? What I want to know is when are you going to let it go? Because you do not have control over what is happening in the other house. No matter how much we want it, and I can relate to this, the kids would go to bed so late. Then they then this is so frustrating because then they'd come home to my place so cranky. So I would get the brunt of it. Um, but there wasn't anything I could do. I tried a few times, and then I realized that I wasn't then allowing my kids to have the full experience because I was still trying to meddle and tell my ex how to parent. And so my kids, you know, said at some point, I don't want to sleep there because no one puts us to bed. So they said that instead of me trying to maneuver all these ways to get someone, you know, beyond like hiring someone to go put them to bed, which I probably would have done, but I stopped myself. Right. And so then they could make the choice. So it's really about letting go. It's hard. And just know that kids, and you know this from your work, like kids are going to be okay. Even if they watch too much TV, I always joke, like there was a summer all I watched was General Hospital. Okay. I, be, I got a PhD. Like it's okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I, They'll be okay. Yeah, they will. And one, con- as Shafali says, one conscious parent is better than none. Exactly. So, you know, you stay in your lane and you bring attention to what's important to you. Yeah. You, you stay there to listen to whatever it is that comes through. And kids do see very clearly. Yeah, they do. They're brilliant. Yeah. They're brilliant. Oh, so where else, um, or we talked a little bit at the beginning about where people can find you. Would you yeah. mind sharing a few, you know, because I'm sure you've just intrigued everybody to really want to oh. reach out, connect with you with all the wisdom. That yeah, for sure. So I have um, right now, I just released um something called the Ultimate Divorce Toolkit, which gives you 
tips. Actually, I give you a template on how to talk to your ex exactly about these kinds of issues. So just you just fill in the blanks of what you need. Um, I talk about affirmations to help you through this hard time of your life. Um, there's also some other tips in there too. So you can get that at drdrelizabethcohen.com backslash ultimate, I'm sorry, divorce toolkit. Divorce toolkit. Ooh, where divorce was that toolkit. when I was divorcing? Oh. I know. <laughs> I can't tell you how many people say that to me. You know, we really need to shift how we look at divorce. We need to see it as a positive growth. So right. I hope I hope your audience can benefit from it. And I'm happy yeah. you can reach me through the toolkit in any way. There's a contact for me as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It has been a pleasure. And to our listeners, thank you so much. Remember, every moment is a new moment for Conscious Connections. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.